Broadcasting Building. I'm speaking from the roof of Broadcasting Building, New York City. The bells you hear are ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city as Martians approach. Estimated in the last two hours, three million people have moved out along the roads to the north. Hutchison River Parkway is still kept open for motor traffic. Boyd bridges to Long Island, hopelessly jammed. All communication with Jersey Shore closed ten minutes ago. Welcome to those strange days podcast and other paranormal things that, well, in my life, I'm going to talk about, and I'm James Creechbaum. This will be the first of many of a weekly podcast. I hope you can all tune in. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself so we can get to know each other. Now, way back when I was just a little boy, probably about three, three and a half years old, I would go outside and, well, I would play with this little American Indian boy. Now, at the time, of course, I, you know, hey, I, he looked real to me. I thought it was just a regular boy. And we would play each, with each other every day outside all day long. And then uh, my mother, of course, she would call and say, hey, you know, come eat, get something to eat. And I'd always say to the boy, hey, come on inside, get a bite to eat or something. And he would never come in. He would um, refuse, never wanting to come in my house. And um, so finally, I asked him, I said, why don't you, you know, want to come in the house and play or come in and get something to eat or anything? And he says, I don't want to go in the house because there's an evil old man in there that doesn't like me and doesn't want me in the house. And I knew who he was talking about because I've seen the evil old man that was in my house. Now, um, I didn't know the difference between a spirit or a real person or whatever. They looked real to me. So anyway... He wouldn't come in the house. And so I would, one time I went to the store and I got the brand new edition of Spider-Man comic book. Oh, I was really happy. I, I love Spider-Man comic books. So I get home and I thought, well, I'm going to show my mom. I mean, I've got to show her my new comic book. So I go upstairs and I show my mom, hey, look at my new comic book. She's all excited and everything. So then I turn around to go back downstairs. Now, as I'm approaching the stairs, at the top of the stairs, there's that evil old man. And he had these dull gray eyes, uh, totally dull, and the, with like um, red lines in them, almost like bloodshot. Uh, I'll tell you, for a three-and-a-half-year-old, extremely scary, uh, really scary. Whether it was a spirit, a real man, whatever it was, it was scary to look at. Now, I've got to get by him to get down the stairs. So as I'm walking toward him, I, I'm trying not to make any eye contact with him at all. I've got my head down, just trying to mind my business, um, clutching my Spider-Man comic book. So as I get close to him, I scurry by him. I go down. I'm about to hit the second step. And as I'm about to hit that second step... I can feel in my middle of my back, this evil old man give me one very forceful push. And matter of fact, it was so forceful that I missed probably the next three or four steps. And, and they were hard oak wood steps. And I went flying. Uh, I went flying down them steps, bouncing. 
and uh, busted out my bunch of uh, feel my baby teeth got punt, knocked out and there was but it was awful and that was from that old evil spirit now fortunately shortly after that we moved from there uh thank god i'll I tell you what that guy was he was brutal but that was the only time that he really uh did anything to me and i don't know what it was that day that that provoked him but uh, boy he sure did so anyway we moved out of there and the funny part was my mom she was seeing that uh these well, well both the spirit well the old man spirit anyway she had seen him and I didn't know about that till just a couple of years ago, which was kind of enlightening to find out that I wasn't seeing this guy all by myself. But anyway, fast forward, and I tried to, as I got older, I tried, I, didn't, I pushed all this seeing spirit stuff. I didn't want no, no part of it. I didn't really bother with it or, or see him or anything. So what i did i just kind of ignored it and put it out of my life you know i would still try to i would see him not trying to see him out of the corner of my eye or in a building or run across the road or something it was just strange uh it was truly strange and again i didn't want to see him but i would see him so fast forward into my early 20s and i moved in with my aunt and my uh cousin they asked me hey why don't you move in with us uh you know, that it'd be easier for us, three of us paying rent and stuff. I said, okay. So I moved in with them, and uh, I was there probably a week. And there was in the spirit of another old man in this uh, apartment. Again, I was trying to ignore him. I didn't want no part of this stuff. But every day I would see him. But I would just try to ignore him, run away from him, uh, go in the other room if I seen him. Well, anyway... At night, when I would go to bed, I'd have these my work clothes sitting on a little stand beside my bed. And when I wake up in the morning, they'd be on the floor across the room by the door. And I'm like, who is doing this? I thought my cousin was, and he's he's like, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. So I'm like, who is doing this? But then I all click, I'm like, no. But yep, it was the old man that was doing it. He was trying to get my attention because he knew I could see him, but even though I was trying to ignore him. Well, this went on for about going on two weeks, and he got very frustrated, the old man's spirit, very frustrated. So he got desperate. And what happened one night when we came home, uh, both me and my cousin worked at the same place, he would go downstairs every night. We lived upstairs and down below his girlfriend lived down below and he would go down there almost all night and it was directly below my bedroom and he'd hang out with his girlfriend well i told my aunt i said well i'm gonna go to bed so i just i go into the bedroom i lay down i'm not sitting in my bed probably 20 seconds just getting comfortable and i'm got my eyes closed you know thinking about dozing off now picture if you will a 10 gallon stainless steel pot full of a bunch of other little stainless steel pots and taking that and slamming it hard as you can can on a oak wood hard oak wood floor well that's what happened that's what i heard and i'm, I'm sitting in bed pitch dark it sounded like somebody did that right beside me on a hardwood floor well i gotta tell you what my cousin come running upstairs he was down right below me my aunt come running into the bedroom 
because they thought it sounded like a cannon going off. They didn't know what happened. Well, by the time they peeled me off the ceiling, because I got to tell you something, that was so scary, so shocking. It, it really, I thought my heart stopped. They come running in, turn on the lights, look around it, and what happened? Thought something blew up. There's nothing out of order, nothing out of place, nothing. Looked perfect. But that was so loud. And, and you want to talk about strange? How do you explain something like that? How, how do you? I have no clue how to explain something like that. But it sounded like a cannon going off and nothing out of place. Well, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't live there because I didn't know back then. Uh, I was probably 19, 20. I didn't know how to deal with spirits and, or cross them over or anything. Didn't want to be bothered. But I knew I couldn't live there anymore. So I had to move on. So I, I'd gotten this job on the East Coast, and I thought, you know what, I, I've got to move out. I can't live here anyway. So I took the job on the East Coast, and I, I moved to the East Coast. Now, one thing about the East Coast, um, uh, you, you can take uh, strangeness and paranormal times 10 compared to what it was where I was in the Midwest. Uh, and it, it was a culture shock for sure. Spirit-wise and just people-wise, you know, and uh, for anybody, a young 20-year-old. So anyway, when I get over there, I get settled in. And I did have a couple friends on the East Coast. And um, what I would do when I first got there, I was studying, studying up on demonology. I was reading all I could and studying up on paranormal and, and all kinds. Of, I'd read like Hans Holzer's book or any, any all I could get, get my hands on and study up on everything paranormal, all, aspe all aspects of it. And because I, I wanted to figure out what was going on. Was I seeing these things? Was I losing my mind? But I, I know it wasn't because other people would see the same things I would throughout the years. But anyway, I would study all these things. So then my friend, he lived there all his life when he used to go. So I would ask him, you know, what's a good place to go investigate uh, places that nobody knows of? Because he knew all the local things. Every small community, whatever, there's always a haunted house or a, or a a place that's got a legend or a reputation that, you know, it's not might be worldwide famous enough, but it's local legend. And that's the stuff I will, I wouldn't focus on and investigate on my own. And that's another thing. I don't recommend anybody investigate by yourself. Now I did, and I, I shouldn't have did it, but I did. And always tell somebody where you're going to be at also. So anyway, uh, he would always give me these spots to go to. And I remember one night Matter of fact, I think it was 19, fast forward into late 80s. I think it was around 1988, uh, Halloween. It was Halloween night, I remember. And he gave me directions to this place, and it was in Rhode Island. And uh, I didn't think much of it. So he goes, you know, it's a very haunted place. You know, go there around 11 o'clock, 1130. So I said, fine. So I get get my stuff and I go there. I park the truck and and uh, he give me the map. So I, it's a dirt road, a little dirt road off of another uh, paved road anyway. So I get in these woods. And I kind of knew the area because I used to fish there too for for uh, trout and stuff. But anyway, so I'm in these woods. And I'm going up this little knoll, and I can hear what sounds like you know people chanting or or something. And I also can tell like there's a fire over this knoll because you can see like the flashing of light. So I'm getting closer and I'm getting closer. And as I'm getting up closer over to, to the knob of the hill, 
I get down on all fours on a very stealth mode because I didn't want to be seen. I don't know what's going on over this hill. Who knows? I'm in the middle of nowhere to begin with. And it's almost midnight on Halloween. Lord only knows what's going on over this hill. So as I'm up over this, uh, like a little stump laying on the ground, I very slowly look, raise my head to ease over just to see what it was. And there's probably, I think, 12, 13, I don't know, a dozen people or so. And they've got robes on and they're dancing and chanting around a fire. And there's a goat chained or, chained or tied to a table there. And there's a machete sitting on the table. And at that moment, uh, all the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I knew that I, I've stumbled upon something that I should not be seen or be seen. Uh, stumbling upon these people. They may not take that very likely. I don't know what's going on. I, I kind of know what's going on, but I don't want to know what's going on. So anyway, I very slowly back out of there and got out of there real quietly and got out of there. Uh, come to find out that land, that was um, years later. I didn't know about it, but years later, that land there was real close to the, uh, the, the house on the uh, Conjuring House in that land there it did feel awful bad that land it it was it just gave you an awful feeling very strange feeling to say the least because i would go fishing there also uh in the daytime and it was just horrible but that was a very shocking uh strange very strange events to say the least now fast forward to a few other weeks ahead i'm still investigating places by myself on the weekend and during the, the week, I had these three uh, real big, burly, supposed to be tough guys working for me, digging holes all day. And they knew what I did, and they'd make fun of me. Now, remember, this is back in the 80s, and things were different. They, you know, not everybody wasn't acceptable as it was today, all this strange and paranormal. So anyway, I said to them one day, you know, put your mouth where your money is. You know, why don't you come with me this weekend, and we'll just see how tough you guys are. So anyway, we, we get together, I pick them up, we go to this place called Barahack, Barahack, Connecticut. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's on the eastern part of Connecticut. Uh, you, you go out and you follow this road to another dirt road, and there's this tree, and you get out, and you find this, you hike probably a mile and a half into the woods in the middle of nowhere. And that's what we did. I mean, I found it, and I timed it where it would be almost dark when we got there and during this hike in the middle of nowhere. And it was, it was just about dark when we got there and we get there and these three uh, big guys are behind me and we're, I'm starting to, and there's nothing there. It's an old village from the 1600s, nothing left, but uh, foundations. That's all that's left of the place. It's just foundations, but there's a lot of, very haunted. It's supposed to see shadow people, hear uh, noise, residual stuff, you name it, EVPs, um, disembodied voices, all of it. So anyway, we haven't been there not not even a minute, and I can hear these ungodly noises. I mean, these noises sent chills up my back, up my spine instantly. Now, I knew what they were because I grew up in the woods. So I went to turn around to tell the three guys, I, you know, tell them what it was. All I seen was the backside of those three big men running full speed back back to the truck through the woods. And I, they wouldn't hear it. They would not stop us trying to stop them. No, not going to do it. They were gone. Anyway, what it was, was it was rut season and it was deer. 
these deer were making the most ungodly noise you could ever imagine in rut season. And that's what it was. Anyway, I continued to do my little investigation there by myself. I didn't come all that way for nothing. So again, I was investigating by myself, but I did hear some stuff and I seen a couple shadow people. And then I went back to it, started to go back to the truck. Now I get back to my own truck and there's three grown men sitting in there holding my, one's got a hammer and one's got a big screwdriver and one's got a tire iron and they got my door locked. <laughs> and I tell them, what, what is going on here? You three guys, but that, that was comical. But anyway, yeah, they locked themselves in the, in the truck. I told them it was just deer, but they didn't believe it. They, they believed it was something else and scared them. Anyway, that was Barra Hack, and that was in the late 80s, also right after the old Halloween thing there. So then uh, fast forward a little bit into the 90s, some more strange. It's always strange stuff. We want to talk about strange things, always strange things. So get in there into the 90s, and I'm still investigating things um, by myself. And there was this other place I investigated. It was an old um, insane asylum. I can't even think of the name of it. It was in eastern Connecticut. It's not even there now, I don't think. I think they built something there. But anyway, so I go there. And again, I didn't have permission. That's another thing. You should always get permission in these places. But this was way back. And uh, I learned from my mistakes. Anyway, I go in there, and this was one of the first times I've seen some serious, strange poltergeist activity. As I'm in this place, there's nobody in this building. It's been defunct for I don't know how many years. But I hear this loud crash, and it was an old, like, uh, I don't know, like some kind of can. I don't know if it was a coffee can or pipe tobacco can or some kind of can. But it went flying across the hallway, and there's nobody in this place. And when it did that, I'll tell you what, it, it got my attention real fast. Now, I slowly, you know, went forward to try to investigate this place. But there was all kind of noises and stuff. I didn't stay very long. It just was very unnerving, and it started to make me very sick. I just got very sick feeling. So I ended up leaving that place. But, boy, it really, that was one of the places that made me really sick. There was something really Something really bad in there it did not want me there, and it did not make me feel very good either. So, fast forward now, and let's see, we're into the 90s. So, we get into the 90s. Still, I'm doing the same thing. I'm investigating on the weekends and uh, helping a few people with some problems and, and, and other things. And then this person I know came to me and said, look um, – there's something wrong with, with um, this girl we know. And I said, well, what's going on? And they described it to me. So I went went there to see what was going on, you know, to help them. And this lady, for lack of a better words, was full-on uh, possessed. I mean, foaming at the mouth, uh, cussing, saying uh, languages that were, I don't know, sound like ancient Arabic and all kind of uh, Latin stuff. It was and this was just a young girl that supposedly didn't know none of this stuff. It was, looked like a wild animal. I mean, it was, and, and had their house tore up. I mean, it looked like just went in and just threw everything they get their hands on, and she just tore it all up. So anyway, um, we we tried to get her get this thing out of her, 
And uh, we all went together. There was uh, four of us there, and we got together, and we, we did get it out. It took us five hours to get this attachment or possessed, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was not good. It was definitely of a negative source. But about five hours later of nonstop what we did, and we, we did get it out of her. And to come to find out, uh, the ladies, as far as we know, the only thing she did different was she was playing a Ouija board by herself. And um, I don't, I'm not saying that was the cause. I don't really know that. I do know that's the only thing that the lady did that was different. And boy, oh boy. And the weird part was about it didn't get stranger. The weird part was uh, the, the, uh, the guy, one of the guys, the guy that came got me, he took the, the lady friend there of his and, and threw that board away. Matter of fact, he threw it right in the ocean. I seen him. The next day, the board was back in the house. Now, that's strange. I don't know how that happened. I can't explain that. But that is that is the truth. Uh, again, it's weird. But um, that is what happened. And eventually, they um, took it and, and buried it uh, in some salt water and kept it there for a while. And then they ended up burning it. That's what they did. I didn't wasn't by my instructions, but that's what they ended up doing. And seemed to not have any problems or come back after that. But boy, that was some very, very strange, very strange stuff. So that, but that day, that day when I seen all that, witnessed all that, that really it changed everybody in that room's lives forever. Uh, that's for sure. And I, I from that day on, I really took up a. Of course, of helping people with paranormal problems, and throughout the years, I've helped many of people best I could with paranormal problems I, I, and strangeness, much strangeness. Oh boy, I've seen it all. Um, you know, fast forward a couple more years, and there was another another case I was on. The um, this lady, it was another lady. She and the guy said, "Hey, my girlfriend's got there's something wrong with her." We go to check it out, and and I go, we go into her house, and I look at her, and she's sitting down in the chair, and she looks up at me, and her eyes turn all black. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you've never witnessed somebody's eyes turning all black, that will stop you in your tracks if you've never witnessed it before. And that is some serious, serious strangeness that I had witnessed. So I thought, okay, we there's, we got to do something here. You know, we can't you can't just something go on. We try to dislodge attachment, find out what's going on. Anyway, I, that one there, I referred them to something because I wasn't prepared for it, and they did get help, and and that lady ended up getting much better. Thank thank God for that. However, before that ever happened, I was trying to leave out the door. And there was some stuff that would just appear like it wouldn't be in the corner of the, the room. There was a couple bottles. They weren't there. We turned around. There was bottle like things would appear and, and and disappear. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. And I, I call it part of the tricks is what I call it, because it just pretty much is to, to distract me and the other guy there to try to keep us from getting the, the uh, lady help. And it almost worked, because I tell you, when you witness stuff like that, a kind of strangeness, it really shakes you. It shakes you to the core if you're not used to it after a while. But, um, yeah, that was going on. All kinds of strangeness like that throughout the years, kept seeing it and seeing it. And fast forward a little bit, again, keep helping people with these problems. Um, another day uh, with a lady, she... Um, 
She had scratches all down her, I witnessed it, uh, right across her back uh, as it happened. Now, if you never witnessed that kind of strangeness, I've seen it a few times, but the first time I seen it was very shocking, uh, to say the least. So, yes, these are all kind of the, some of the strange things that I've seen um, to talk about. Also, I one time I did see a Bigfoot. That was way back in the 80s. I guess, I don't know, maybe it wasn't even a Bigfoot, but it was strange. I will say that. Uh, last year, I seen a UFO. That was strange. That shocked me so bad, it, it stopped me in my tracks. Couldn't even film it. I did get a couple of pictures, but uh, it was weird, to say the least. Now, fast forward into even a little bit more, because that one event, that really, it, it changed everybody's lives in that room that day. So we, we tried to, it tried to, it made me want to help people with paranormal problems, because it's, let's face it, who do you call? You don't, if you got a problem of a nasty spirit or you brought something in, I mean, who are you going to call? You just can't pull up the yellow pages and say, well, here's somebody that can help people. You know, it's, it's very hard. So that's what I did for a lot of years. As a matter of fact, I did it up until about a year ago. I finally just kind of retired from boots on the ground. It just takes so much out of you. I mean, it takes a lot out. Of, at least it did me anyway. And there was a lot of times I've seen some stuff. We'll get into it more on the next uh, next podcast. A lot more to uh, talk about. But anyway, those things that I that I had seen so much portals. I find portals and, and close these portals. And that's another big thing. Uh, these strange, when you talk about strangers, there's portals. Because when these portals open up, you can have spirits of any kind, good, bad, and ugly come in. You don't know. You just don't know. So I would find those, the ones, and I knew how to find them. I was taught. And I would close them. And that would solve a lot of people's problems big time. Uh, big time it would solve their problems. And um, many of those portals, matter of fact, there was a, a case last year I did uh, that had eight portals on their property, eight. I had never seen that many on a property before, and there was so much paranormal going on and strangeness in that house. Uh, and the weird part was they had never had any problems there before up until just a, uh, a couple of years ago. And what happened, uh, the boy, they had a son that did some things, said some things, and it kind of opened some things up. He didn't know no better, you know, you know, teenagers and stuff. And that's what happened. So anyway, I closed those portals. And then ever since that day, thank goodness, you haven't had any problems since. So that's, that's good. For, but that's, that's some of the strangeness that I will be talking about uh, next week also a little bit different kind of strangeness also uh spirit attachments uh they can spirits can attach to objects mirrors anything i'll tell you what you go to uh, listen i've been buying selling antiques and collectibles for 30 plus years and let me tell you i've bought several things that had several attachments and you got to be careful what you buy and what you bring into your house for sure i've definitely come across all kinds of stuff uh, attached to things uh, so spirits can also attach not just to people, but objects. So you've got to be aware of what you're buying. I always say if you're at a flea market or something, buying something, before you touch it or buy it, just kind of get a feel for it. Look it over. Kind of concentrate on it. If it makes you feel wrong, 
it's wrong. Don't don't buy it. Leave it sit. Sometimes even if it's free, it's not worth it. Seriously. So that's some of the things I'm going to be talking about next week and other future podcasts. All kind of strange, strange things that have happened to me over the years. And so we can get to know where I'm coming from. And eventually, in another few weeks, we'll have I'll bring on a guest or two, and we'll discuss their strangeness. Well, I hope you all enjoy the podcast, and I hope you all will tune in next time. And I hope we see you next time on my podcast, Those Strange Things with James Kreisbaum. Until next time. Broadcasting building. Speaking from the roof of Broadcasting Building, New York City. The bells you hear are ringing to warn the people.